Hello, and welcome to In Relation To, a show that seeks to give you insight into news developments by promoting global discourse in a changing world. Our goal with this podcast is not to scratch the surface what is happening globally, but rather it is to dive deep and gain a better understanding of it. This podcast is brought to you by Boston University, and I'm Margarita. I'll be a guest host for today, but I've been a part of this lovely In Relation To family for a while now. I'm Maria, one of your hosts, and today we're going to be talking about the United Nations, and specifically the role of one of the most distinct figures in the organization, the Secretary General. This is a good one, so you're definitely going to want to stick around. Enjoy the episode! Some weeks ago, as I was on my phone, an article regarding a diplomatic meeting of the current Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, happened to pop up in my screen, as a notification from a news app. It read, Secretary General Antonio Guterres meets with Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi. Interested in this event, I pressed on the notification to read the article, but I found myself unable to concentrate on its content. A big question had popped into my head, and that was, what is the job of the Secretary General of the United Nations? Or, in simple terms, what does a day in the life of Antonio Guterres look like? The answer turned out to be way more complicated and ambiguous than I had imagined. But don't take my word for it. Let me read to you, or rather Margarita, the actual definition of the United Nations official website. According to the UN Charter, the founding document of the United Nations, the Secretary General is the organization's chief administrative officer, and his responsibilities include those of an advocate, diplomat, civil servant, and chief executive officer. Um, as you can probably tell, this definition in the UN Charter leaves much room for interpretation. The UN website adds on to the role of the CEO to the list of Secretary General's responsibilities. This adds even more ambiguity to his position. Rather than defining the Secretary General's role, the UN seems to give a range of options for them to choose what they want to do. This vagueness of the role is not only theoretical, it has also been empirically illustrated by past Secretary Generals, and in this episode, we will give you three examples of how this ambiguity has played out. Firstly, Different secretary-generals have focused on different aspects of the role. As I mentioned before, in its definition of a secretary-general, the UN has included many different words, advocate, CEO, diplomat, etc. Because of the diversity of those roles, it cannot be expected that all secretary-generals will have the same balance between how much they exercise each of them. This was best illustrated by the differences between Doug Hammarskjöld's tenure the second secretary-general's tenure from Sweden, and Ban Ki-moon's tenure, the eighth secretary-general's from South Korea. Dag decided to focus on the activism part of the role description, and when I say activist, I mean battlefield activist. Even his death signifies this. He died in a plane crash on a peace mission in Africa in 1961, specifically on his way to Ndola, in what is now known as Zambia. Ban Ki-moon, on the other hand, the eighth secretary-general, was seen as more of an administrator. He was the one who pushed forward the 2015 Paris Agreement on Climate and increased the number of women in UN senior management. Another way, the second one, in which the role of the Secretary-General differs, has to do with the time of the tenure of each Secretary-General. This is also acknowledged by the UN itself, which states in its website, and I quote, each Secretary-General also defines the role within the context of their particular time in office. Let me give you a real-world example of this. When the UN had just been established, 
an atmosphere of extreme enthusiasm prevailed. Delegates were convinced that they had adopted a system of collective security that would ban all wars forever, a feeling shared by Trygve Lee, the first secretary general. However, this enthusiasm was not present in the Cold War era, obviously and unfortunately. By then, the international situation had begun to deteriorate and the earlier euphoria was replaced by an atmosphere of extreme tension and hostility. The Security Council was almost always paralyzed by repeated vetoes either from the US or the Soviet Union. On several occasions, Doug actually used the podium of the General Assembly to reply to attacks of Nikita Khrushchev of the USSR, who had advocated for the replacement of the Secretary General with three other people. This was one of the reasons why Doug, the second Secretary General, had to be a big implementer of quiet diplomacy, which refers to someone's efforts to influence the behavior of another state through discreet negotiations or actions, basically secretive ones. Last but not least, another way in which secretaries have differed is in the way in which they have approached and assessed the threats and dangers in society. Basically, a secretary general can choose what he considers to be dangerous. There are no objective guidelines to follow to assess danger. Article 19 of the UN Charter says that the secretary general, and I quote, may bring to the attention of the Security Council any matter which, in his opinion, may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. This is very ambiguous. The phrase, in his opinion, is the one that creates all of the tension. What, in the opinion of one secretary general, may seem to threaten the maintenance of international peace will not necessarily do so in the opinion of another one. The current secretary general, Antonio Guterres, for example, has focused on advancing sustainable development and regulating digital technologies, which is what he deems dangerous and threatening security of the world, even as he faced a range of crises, including worsening COVID pandemic and the Russian war in Ukraine. Having said all this, and having illustrated the immense ambiguity in the role of a secretary general, it is of course important to mention a few specific tasks common to every secretary general. The first category includes administrative tasks. This refers to overseeing the activities and duties of the secretariat, attending sessions with United Nations bodies, consulting with world leaders, government officials, and other stakeholders, and traveling the world to engage with global constituents and bring attention to certain international issues. At the end of their tenure, all secretary generals also have to make an annual report on the work of the UN, which includes an assessment of its activities and an outline of future priorities. The second category is acting as the face of international diplomacy and peace. Many have described secretary generals as world moderators, as the face of an international organization dedicated to promoting peace. There are many examples of secretary generals carrying this out through speeches and appearances in negotiations between countries. For example, Javier Pérez de Cayar's negotiation of a ceasefire in the Iran-Iraq war is a perfect example of this. The third category includes adhering to UN objectives and aims. Even though the secretary generals seem to have an abundance of freedom in choosing what kind of work they want to focus on, there are some general guidelines ought to be followed. The first, of course, being the United Nations objectives. The United Nations focuses on five main areas, maintaining peace and security, protecting human rights, delivering humanitarian aid, supporting sustainable development, and upholding international law. Having said that, the UN has never set up specific methodology to follow. 
so it is up to the discretion of the Secretary General to establish how to uphold the United Nations objectives. In conclusion, while the role of Secretary General in the United Nations has some set purposes, such as mitigating conflict, each Secretary General is unique in his own way and defines the role in a significant extent. And that is not necessarily bad. I feel like the flexibility of a Secretary General to do that seems to have been designed. The United Nations organization has existed only for so long, and as it cannot implement decisions by force, some flexibility may be needed in the way that it is run for it to be successful. 